Welcome to Bayside's podcast. Our prayer is that this message will bring you some love, truth and life into all that you do. It's like a double-sized pulpit, so if anyone wants to make me one, that would be fantastic. I know, yeah, does anyone know a carpenter? Um, <laughs> no. Um, I want to read from the actual word. Problem is, who's brought their physical Bibles to church today? I want to read from my physical Bible. I've got, I've got it on my notes, but there's something powerful about having your physical Bible up here, isn't there? All right, we're going to have a look at Matthew chapter 14. So if you've got it, please turn to that. This is one of my favorite all-time miracles. I mean, if I could have been around other than the resurrection, of course. I mean, that has to be the biggest kicker, most powerful, incredible miracle that is ever recorded in the Gospels. But if I had to be around for another miracle... It might have been one involving the multiplication of food. Okay, right? Like we all love to eat and dine and commune together. So this is a fan favorite. Uh, when Jesus, he goes out into the, uh, into the wilderness and the reason just before this, so this is starting from um, verse 15, but before verse 15, before Jesus is out in the wilderness and the crowds follow him, his cousin John the Baptist had just been beheaded. So the story actually begins with tragedy. So Jesus is obviously quite distressed, grieving. Uh, John was his cousin. They grew up together. They're obviously partners in ministry to some extent. And so he's grieving and and he goes to meet with his father. So where do you go when you're down, when you're grieving? You go to meet with your father. Jesus is a perfect example. But he's out there and uh, he is out there. And what do the crowds do? They follow him. They follow him out there. So he's gone for some quiet time alone with, you know, God the Father to deal with all the things and, the, and what's going on inside of him. The crowds follow him out there. Let's have a read of what it says. From verse 15, When evening came, the disciples approached him and said, This place is deserted and it's already late. Send the crowds away so that they can go into the village and buy food for themselves. They don't need to go away, Jesus told them. You give them something to eat. What do they say? But God. Has anyone done a but God before? Like, but God. They say to him, but Jesus, we only have five loaves and two fish here, they said to him. Bring them here to me, he said. Another clue. Bring what we have to Jesus. Then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves, the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Everyone ate and was satisfied. They picked up 12 baskets full of leftover pieces. Now those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. It's a lot of people. That is a lot of food. That is a lot of sticky fingers and generations. I mean, we're talking about families with kids, uh, grandparents, babies. And what I notice about this is that the first thing is, if we're going to do a character study on Jesus, which I encourage you to do, if you're reading any of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, when it talks about Jesus, have, just have a look at his character. I invite you to just to read the Bible a little bit of a different way and go, right, let's do a character study on what he's doing, why he's doing it. The first thing I love about this is that he was moved with compassion when the crowds followed him. He sees them approaching and he's moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. He healed the sick. 
and the hour was late, he then prompted his disciples to get involved with the, new, the next miracle. What I love about this story, and we haven't even got to the boat bit yet, but this is just the, the pre-story. We're setting up the scene. We're exploring it together. Jesus has moved with compassion when we approach him. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. He is moved with compassion when you approach Jesus. He was in the midst of pain and talking with his father. He got interrupted. That's fine. He is happy for those interruptions because he loves you and he wants you to approach him and he does not turn you away. He does not turn us away. He's moved with compassion when he sees you approach him. I love that. And then he goes and tells the disciples to do the miracle. He goes and prompts them. The second thing I notice about this is that he prompts them to have a look at what's in their hand, doesn't he? He doesn't just pull it out of thin air. He doesn't just, here's something I've prepared earlier. He doesn't do any of that. He says, go and get them something to eat. And then he equips the disciples. And who feeds, who feeds the people? They do. The disciples are the ones handing out the food. They brought what they had to Jesus and then he blesses it. He takes it, you know, prays it to heaven and then they hand it out. They are activators of this miracle. Woo. I, haven't even, I haven't even written this down. Anyway, I think that's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> he tells them to give them something to eat. Jesus wants us to be involved in the business of feeding others. He wants to grow your faith. He wants us to see what's in our hands. What resources do we have, do you have, do I have around us that you can use to build the faith of others and to feed them? He is reaching out his hand. He is acting with compassion and looking at you, his disciples, you and I asking us to feed his sheep. Wow. You know, I think, uh, who loves making New Year's resolutions? Who likes getting excited around December when you start to think, well, I am going to lose those five kilos come January 1st, or I am going to start saving money. I am finally going to, you know, get rid of that furniture or buy that furniture or paint that room or, you know, buy that new car or whatever it is. Does anyone do goals like that? You're always, you know, thinking about what you want to get done. We might need to get a life coach in here at some point because... <laughs> <laughs> um, come October, my spirit starts to buzz a little bit and I start to consider what it is that God's got for me for, you know, the next year. I get a bit greedy. I normally leave it about six weeks and I just start to pray like, Lord, drop something in my spirit. What's a scripture? What's a word? That kind of thing. I think that as well as making New Year's resolutions, plans, revisiting them, being practical with them. I think, yes, that's, of course, a good thing. I want you guys to get excited about what God can do in your life with your open hands leading into 2024. There are miracles waiting to happen. There is healing waiting to happen. There is joy waiting to be fulfilled. There is addictions waiting to be broke off if we would only reach out to Jesus because he never turns us away because he is a good and a compassionate God. We continue on with the story. Uh, the people were so moved with Jesus' miracles. I mean, who wouldn't be? They had, what, 12 baskets left over of this beautiful fish and, uh, and bread feast that um, Jesus knew what they were planning and so they wanted to make him, you know, part of royalty. So he, Jesus, he knows all. So he says to his disciples, go on the boat. Get on the boat now, you know. You, as a parent, sometimes you're like, let go when you're talking to your kids. Put that back on the shelf, 
Um, you sit down now. Like, so he was saying to his disciples, you get on the boat now. Go, 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 go. So we're going to have a read through this. Immediately from uh, verse 22, immediately he made his disciples get onto the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves, because the wind was against them. Jesus came towards them, walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it is I, don't be afraid. If you've got your Bible, highlight that one, because that's one we can all use sometimes. From verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, Command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, truly, you are the Son of God. Wow. We presume that when the disciples were ushered onto the boat by Jesus, what do we presume the weather was like then? Probably fair weather. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't jump onto the boat if there was already storms. Am I right? It, I imagine it would have been quite fair weathered. And who put them onto the boat? He made them, like it's quite strong. He made them get onto the boat. Jesus got them onto the boat, fair weather, but it didn't always work out fair weather, did it? Because sometimes Jesus puts us onto the boats, it's all smooth sailing, and then a storm comes up. There was no storm initially. Now what we see Jesus doing here, he goes up, he has some rejuvenating time with his father. So he had obviously gone out to the wilderness, been distracted, or obviously it was God's plan. He healed the people. He fed the 5,000. What does he do? He doesn't get distracted. He doesn't get on a high of ministry. Oh, I've just done all this kind of stuff. All right, what was I doing again? I'm going to go spend time with the father. So he goes out again, sends the disciples away, connects with God um, until the Bible says the third watch of the night. So he is a nighttime prayer, a night hour, and he's up there till about three o'clock in the morning. Right, between 3 and 6 o'clock, praying with, with God, getting refreshed, getting rejuvenated. In one sense, I think Jesus is also very practical. He doesn't have another boat to get out there, so what does he do? Just going to walk out to my mates out there. <laughs> he walks out towards the boat, and here's the disciples saying, um, it's a ghost. When the disciples saw him walking out there, they're obviously out there dealing with the mast, dealing with the water going overboard. This isn't also the first um, story of a boat being rocked around. In Matthew 8, uh, they also were in a storm, but Jesus was in the boat with them. Now we're at Matthew 14, and there is a storm, and Jesus is walking towards them. And they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. They'll put on this boat in the fair weather, by Jesus, led by him, directed by him. 
starts to get rocky and then they see something coming and they think it's a ghost and they cry out with fear. Jesus responds to this. As you continue to have a mind that thinks, let's look into the character of Jesus, he responds immediately. What does he say? Immediately, Jesus spoke to them. Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. We notice facets of his character, the Jesus character, are aligning with the rest of Scripture. If you have a look at Jeremiah 29, verse 12 to 13, then you will call on me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. 1 Peter 3, verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to the prayer. Another one. I love this one. Psalm 18, verse 6. In my distress, I called upon the Lord to my God. I cried for his help. From his temple, he heard my voice and my cry to him reached his ears. When you're in the midst of despair, when you're in the midst of a difficult time, when you're in the midst of the storm and the boat is rocking, you don't need to have it all together. You don't need to wait for small, smooth sailing. You do not need to wait for things to be all together. Jesus wants to step into your messy. He wants to step in when you're rocking side to side and you're going, I don't know which way's left. I don't know which way's right. I thought this was what God asked me to do, but I don't know. Jesus wants to respond to you there and then, and it's immediately he doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't just, oh, well, I'll, I'll answer them in a six months' time if I see them really, really seek me. No, Jesus responds to earnest hearts. Then you will call on me and I'll come to you. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and he heard my voice. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are attentive. I want to encourage you as we wrap out this end of the year. It's time to get out of your boat. Jesus is listening. Jesus is reaching out with compassion. Jesus is saying, what's in your hand? And he wants to respond to you. That's one thing I love about the Bible. In its intricacy and how it was written with so many different authors, it is consistent throughout. Jesus is consistent with the rest of Scripture. He hears our prayers and cries for help and is motivated to act. Come on. He's motivated to act because he cares about us. Now, we know our friend Peter. We've talked a little bit about Peter a couple of months ago. Peter was Jesus' favorite disciple. Um, they were good buddies. G Peter really loved Jesus. He had a real heart for him. He followed after him, but he was also pretty brash. He made some foolish mistakes. He was one of those perhaps emotionally-led men that would act and then think about it after right? <laughs> Anyone like that? <laughs> but we all love Jesus, right? So some, sometimes he was like that. And what is it that Peter calls out? He said on verse 28, Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. What I notice here is that he responded to Jesus's voice through his own relationship. How many people were on the boat? Twelve of them, twelve of the disciples, twelve disciples on the boat. How many of them said, Lord, if it's you? One. He didn't look at what, you know, James and John were doing. He didn't look at the rest of them. He had a relationship with Jesus. And although he sometimes didn't always get it right, he loved Jesus with all his heart. And he said, Lord, if it's you, 
Tell me to come out. Tell me to come. He wasn't dictated stepping out of the boat, comparing himself to the left and the right. He did it on his own accord. Peter asked Jesus to command him. He doesn't just jump out of the boat on his own accord. Oh, look, that seems like Jesus in the distance. I might just like jump off. No, he waits for Jesus to speak to him. He doesn't act brashly, okay? He doesn't act brashly. He doesn't just go all in. He asks Jesus to confirm to him what his next move is, what his will for him is. We don't often speak, hear Jesus speak audibly to us. I know some pretty cool stories. A lot of you have had pretty amazing supernatural experiences where you have heard and seen the living voice and um, you know, person of Jesus in a dream or you've seen an angel. But most of the time, Jesus is speaking to us through this. Through this and Holy Spirit. I mean, he gave us two pretty good keys. We cannot go wrong if we're feeding ourselves this and we're aligning ourselves with the Holy Spirit every day. He got out of the boat. Who's ever been, um, you know, with, with, you're with your kids on the playground or you're walking around, you kind of see one of those balance beams and you're just walking along the edge of those low, low. Some people would do it high. I would do a low balance beam. Has anyone, you know, when you kind of got your hands out and you're just trying to, maybe it was a while ago for some of us, um, you're trying to balance along and you have to kind of keep your balance and um, you can't look to the left or the right because then you topple off and you have to go back to the start and start it all over again. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, kids love doing that. It's great motor skills. We do that at Busy Bugs every Friday here. Um, most of you would have heard this analogy. It was when Jesus, uh, when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus that he began to notice the winds and the waves. He was going gung-ho for a while. I'm sure the bottom of his, of his um, hem was getting a bit wet. I'm sure his feet were a bit wet. But he saw what Jesus was doing. He knew he was trusting in him. And he got distracted by the wind and the waves. How true is it of us today? We can be following Jesus and get distracted by the winds and the waves. As well as that, we're getting distracted by what's going on the boat behind us because oh, no one else has, no one else has gotten out. I'm, I'm out here all alone. I'm following what Jesus has told me to do. No one else is doing it. That's because it was Peter's journey. That's because it is your journey. Don't expect to have 10 people behind you if God has called you to an individual path or has asked you to do something. We need to be brave enough and bold enough and courageous enough to be able to follow our individual path. So he was looking at the waves. He's probably thinking about his buddies back there. He was probably thinking, this is pretty cold on my little toes. <laughs> and then he started to sink. What does Jesus do? And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking in the water, came towards Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And we have another immediately here. Immediately, verse 31. Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus isn't there to play with his feelings. He's not trying to be mean. But I would rather be a person of little faith that makes a mistake or starts to sink and I call out to Jesus and he's there immediately to rescue. I mean, could you imagine the visual of this? He's literally like he's getting colder and colder and he's, he's down up to his knees in the water and Jesus' strong male grip hand. I mean, he was, a, he was a carpenter. He was a fisherman. You can imagine these are strong hands. These are the hands of the Son of God. He reaches down and he grabs him up. 
You have little faith. What are the other 11 doing? They're all theologians writing about it. Okay, this this is what's going. But there's one person that's out there. There's one person that stepped out of the boat. How much do you want to be that person that has that intimate experience where Jesus reaches out his hand and you can feel it and he speaks to you, he looks you in the eye and you know that you have changed the course of history because when they get back onto the boat, this is the first recorded time where they call him the son of God. Because of Peter's little faith, I mean, I'm going to say, well done, Peter. Like, he got out of the boat. I don't, I don't put, I think he's incredible. Well done. He got out of the boat. And what happened to all the people back on the boat? They said, surely you are the son of God. They saw. They saw because of Jesus' miracle. They saw because of Peter's faith. And they saw the way he had compassion. And he rescued Peter in that moment. You're the son of God. Your little faith, our little faith, our uncomfortable situations where Jesus is asking us to get out of the boat can change other people's perception of the Son of God. It can open their eyes and all of a sudden they see Jesus. They see the Son of God where perhaps they saw a man before. Perhaps they saw a history person before. Perhaps there was someone that you might have learnt about in school or we, we look at him at Christmas and Easter before. But no, all of a sudden, because of your faith, because of your obedience, because of your stepping out of the boat, that's the Son of God. And they fell down to their knees and they worshipped. Now, we don't have boats often anymore. We have other things that we rely on. I mean, these guys were leaning on the boat. They were leaning against it. They were standing on it. What I want to encourage you guys to think about today is that we all have things we're standing on. We all have things we're leaning on. We all have props that we prop up against ourselves to help keep ourselves safe. What is it? What is your boat that God is asking you to step out from? What is waiting for you on the other side of your obedience? What have you started to prop yourself up against? What have you started to lean on that is not the hand of the Son of God? For some of us, it can be money. We can be so wrapped up in having our finances in order and feeling secure with our dollar value and a consistent paycheck and stuff that's going on. For some of us, it's addictions It's uh, doing the same thing every day. It's routines. For others, it's bad relationships. For some of us, perhaps you just haven't made time to be with Jesus. You just fill your time with other stuff. What are you leaning on? Are you leaning on an outdated version of Jesus? And he wants to renew who he is in your eyes to the true, compassionate Jesus. Maybe you've heard about him, maybe you've grown up with him, maybe you've learned a little bit over the time, but you don't have a full picture of the Son of God who came to die for you. What is it, this end, we've had an incredible year, 2023, what is it that God is asking you to step out from? Because he wants you to walk on the water with him. He wants you to have just that little bit of faith so that you can go, okay, 
I'm going to leave this behind. I'm going to get over the edge of the boat. I'm going to get my feet wet. The bottom of my robe is going to be a little bit wet. But I am walking towards Jesus and I am looking at him. We're not going to get distracted by winds and waves. And he is there with his gentle, loving hand to guide us and to lead us as we step out of the boat. We all have something. I've got stuff. You've got stuff. We all have stuff that we rely on. And it can come sometimes kind of slip in. And then you go, oh, I didn't, I didn't know I had that railing here. When did that get here? <laughs> Let's be assessors of our own spiritual life, our own where we're at with God. What is it that we're relying on that isn't Jesus because he wants to be all that you rely on. Because he's moved with compassion. He wants to heal. He wants to love. He wants to speak. I'd love it. We're just going to pray. There's nothing magical about it other than the fact that Jesus responds to our prayers. And first of all, I just want to invite you, if you don't know Jesus... If you haven't yet met him, if you're hearing about this and it's head knowledge and not heart knowledge, all you need to do is ask him to be Lord of your life because he looks at you with compassion and he's waiting for you to step towards him and his hands are outreached with love, his hands with scars that he bore on the cross. Just with every eye closed and head bowed, if that's you today, if you want to come into relationship with Jesus, just pop your hand up subtly, quickly, that's fine, and we can pray together afterwards. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. I did it once. Awesome. Great. I invite you to stand together we're just going to pray as we wrap up the service today and if this resonated with you if you go yeah I, I do see Jesus asking me to get out of the boat I do hear him ushering me to step out I do know that I've started to lean on some things and to rely on my boat but that isn't Jesus hey let's just talk to him and do business right now father I thank you that you are a God that is true. You are a God that is loving. You are a God of justice. And you are a God that is led by compassion. And God, for those of us that are here, who perhaps we've started to lean on things that isn't you, perhaps we've built our own boat around us to keep ourselves safe. And we're pretty reliant on that. Help us to get out of the boat. Help us to get out of the boat today, this week, this month, next year, so that we can be free. We can be walking with you, Jesus, hand in hand, because you immediately respond to us because of your great love. Help us to walk by faith. Help us to grow our faith. Help us to be the one that responds to you so that others can then look and go, truly, truly you are the Son of God. We want to walk with you, Jesus. We want to be free as we come into 
2024 and completely reliant on you. We want to step out of the boat because we know that you are with us. You never leave us and you never forsake us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I encourage you guys. Do business with God this week. Take some time. Continually ask him to renew your mind and to to help us to walk by faith because it is the best, most exciting, exhilarating, faith-filled adventure you can ever do. And who wants to be stuck on a stodgy old boat watching, watching all the other people walking out by faith? I want to be out there on the water with Jesus, getting my feet wet. Amen. Amen. You guys are great. We are going to break now for coffee. So go grab our kids. And don't forget next weekend that we've got the pageant on the Saturday and then bring in the gifts for the school Sunday morning. And we'll see you then. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. Remember, you can visit us at baysidechurch.org.au or listen to any more of our podcasts on your favourite listening app.